Hey there, everybody. Welcome back to the Betting Pros NFL podcast brought to you by BetMGM. I'm your host, Dan Harris. You can find me on Twitter at DanHarris80. It is time to break down some of our favorite and our least favorite bets for the final regular season week of the 2019 NFL season. And with me to talk about it all is Sean Corner, Director of Predictive Analytics over at the Action Network. Sean is renowned for his incredibly accurate projections for the NFL, which nearly always leads to him being at the top of the charts for the Fantasy Pros Accuracy Competition for Fantasy Football. But he is also near the top of the charts for the Betting Pros Accuracy Competition. So you're in good hands. You can find him on Twitter at the underscore oddsmaker. Sean, thanks for coming on the show. How's it going? Yeah, thanks for having me. Uh, it's going well. And, you know, we were just mentioning this before we went on air, but I think week sev- 17 is definitely my favorite in terms of just betting and daily fantasy and player props and stuff. So looking forward to joining you uh, this week specifically. Yeah, we we talk about it uh, a little bit in that week 17 is kind of its own animal, right? I mean, every week you can you can make your bets this week. We're really try, you know, it, it's a lot more based on gut feel than it is. Uh, on the wrong number. So we are recording this on Thursday, as we always do with the show. But unlike usual, it's the day after Christmas. So that means two things. First, I think it's safe to say that we haven't had quite the same amount of time to do our full analysis of this weekend's games as we ordinarily would. And second, I'm not really sure how much that matters because it's week 17 and you can't really analyze it like a normal week. We also can't possibly have all the necessary information as to who's going to start or sit which would otherwise impact our analysis. So this week, more than any other week, as I said, you'll want to wait for as much information as possible before placing your bets. But with that said, Sean, before we get into it, I do want to ask, because this week is so wonky and lines have moved so much already, have you been able to lock in any numbers early in the week before things kind of corrected themselves? Yeah, so um, early in the week, um, you know, there's a few teams that don't have much to play for, Uh, you know, the Bills being one of them, the Vikings, and the Texans, um, the Texans do have a little bit to play for. I, I think they can move up a seed. But when when they announced, uh, Bill O'Brien said that they were going to, you know, play to win this week. Uh, the the line was up to uh, Titans minus six. So I just I came in hard on the the Texans at plus six, just knowing it was gonna it was gonna come down, um, get it at the best number. So it's it's dropped down to three and a half. So I wouldn't recommend taking them anymore. But you know that's how week seventeen is is. Um, when you get an announcement like that, it's usually wise to just take the line before it uh, drops. So, so I have the Texans plus six, and that's all I have at the moment. But the the ones I'm going to talk about today, I'll likely have. I'm just waiting to see uh, more information before locking them in. Yeah, the Texans in particular are in the weird situation where I think they have the late game, right? So they might know whether or not they're locked in before they even go, because I think Kansas City plays the early game, if that's right, unless I'm misremembering. So they may have it. But either way, their game matters because it affects, you know, it could affect the Steelers, right? It depends on whether or not the Titans win. And I feel like teams in that situation generally play hard anyway. For me, I kind of did the same thing where when we were recording Monday, where we look ahead for the early lines, I said that I was going to hit the Bears who were getting seven. It was still available at some books. A lot of books pull it down during the game, but it was still available at some books. If it looked like the Vikings were going to lose that game against Green Bay and essentially be locked in. So I did. I hit it basically as soon as that game ended when it was up. So I'm locked in at Chicago plus seven. The consensus line is now Chicago plus one. I don't feel quite as great about that oh, as I thought no. I would. You know, I, <laughs> you, 
you, uh, many... well, you you locked in six points of value there against potentially oh. the closing number. Yeah, you did of good. Of course, there. of course, of course. No, no. In that sense, of course. You know, I haven't yet heard that the Vikings are resting the starters now anyway, and they may want to get that ugly taste out of their mouth and <laughs> looking so putrid offensively. But obviously, the value is there. But either way, that's sort of a lesson to be learned in monitoring the lines as we go along. So before we get into this week's picks, I'm just going to quickly review uh, what went down last week during the show. Our guest, Sean Green, he hit on the Packers getting five and a half from the Vikings, the Eagles getting one and a half from the Cowboys, and Jameis Winston going over 300 passing yards. His only non-win was a push on the Bucks getting three from the Texans, so a pretty nice week for Sean. I hit on all three of my uh, best bets, the Jets getting three from the Steelers, the Dolphins and the Bengals over 46 and a half, and the Cardinals getting nine and a half from the Seahawks. My only miss was on Terry McLaurin going over 100 receiving yards, which was at plus 170. For today, as always, Sean and I are going to start with the pick six, where we each give our three best bets either against the spread or on the over-under. Sean, why don't you get us started here? Uh, so I'll just get started with a pretty meaningless game. Uh, the Browns and Bengals. I, I'm eyeing the over on this matchup. Uh, my model likes the over environment for this game. It's uh, projected to be the sixth fastest pace uh, matchup. Um, there's um, a ton of explosive play potential. It's actually my highest projection in that regard this week. You know, the Bengals have allowed, you know, the fourth highest explosive run play rate and uh, second highest explosive pass play rate. So I think the Browns, you know, this will be a, a game where the Browns want to end on a good note. They've struggled this year. Um, so I could see Baker, Chubb, Odell Beckham, and Jarvis Landry all having big games here. Uh, the uh, Bengals, they should be without William Jackson this week. He was placed in IR. He did a good job shutting down Odell just three games ago they played. So he'll be out. Um, so that's going to prove the matchup. Um, you know, Miles Garrett is obviously out for the Browns, but they, they have Sheldon Richardson and Olivier Vernon are also questionable. So this is just a game that, you know, especially when it's meaningless, we could just see a sneaky shootout. Um, the only reason I'm waiting to bet this is, um, it opened at 46. It's, it's been hit pretty hard on the under 63% of the money has come in on the under. I think that's due to the weather report. Um, it looks like there's a 90% chance of rain. I typically don't bet based on any weather report more than 72 hours before the game. So in situations like this, the, the market can actually over correct and um, give some pretty good value. So if the, the weather report looks like it's going to clear up a bit, um, I'll come in hard on the over or just when it seems like the, the line will reach its low point, which it could be um, right around 43 and a half right now. I'm going to come in the over, but this one I'm just waiting to see um, until I get the best number. Out of curiosity, how much does a game like that's going to see, you know, unless it's torrential downpours, how long does, how much does heavy rain impact whether or not you want to hit the over? Because for me, I always think of it more as, you know, really windy days are, are stuff that can really affect the passing game or the kicking game. But I, I never know how much to incorporate rain necessarily into whether or not I want to bet the over under. Does it move it significantly in your mind what you want to do? Uh, usually not rain. Uh, wind is definitely a big factor. Rain, not so much. And I think it always, you know, it always comes down to the matchup. Um, in this game, if, if they do run the ball more, it's not that big of a deal. Um, we saw Joe Mixon last week, um, struggle a bit. He came into the game with a stomach bug. He should be, you know, closer to 100% this week, but he, uh, he lit up the Browns just a few weeks ago, uh, ran the ball 23 times for 146 yards and a touchdown. On the other side of the ball, we all know that Nick Chubb and Cream Hunt, um, can rack up yards. So in this matchup, even if it is pretty rainy, I think the, you know, the rushing offense versus the rushing defense is, is a pretty good matchup. So uh, I, I think that, again, there's still sneaky play on the over, even if the weather is pretty inclement. But we'll have time to kind of get a better forecast closer to the game. So uh, if it looks like it is going to be bad, the, this number could drop to, you know, 41 and a half or something like that. So um, I, I just think the mar- the market is typically going to overcorrect 
in a matchup like this. So yeah. I'm just letting it do its, uh, you know, lower it as much as possible. And they've actually passed through some key numbers um, when it comes to totals. Um, a number like 44, 43, those are some of the key numbers I look for. So it's already um, moved down to that range. So it, it, I think it's providing a ton of value now, but I just want to wait and see. Yeah, absolutely. Right now it's sitting at 43 and a half in our consensus odds, but it has been moving all week. So certainly can wait till closer to game time to uh, see where it ends up. For my first pick, I am going to take the Falcons and the Bucks under 48. Now the Bucks have been a pretty good overplay for the majority of the season, but obviously there are some differences in the team now, the biggest being the loss of both uh, Mike Evans and Chris Godwin, but their secondary has quietly started to play a lot better. Carlton Davis has really improved as the season has gone along. You saw it last week with DeAndre Hopkins, and they've been able to stop the run all year. Everybody knows that, but it's not just being able to stop the running game. It's They've been really elite at stopping passes to the running backs too, and that's really a big deal when you have Devonta Freeman because that's what he's been doing a lot for most of the season. So, you know, you know the Falcons are going to get Julio his 1,400 yards. He needs about 84 yards. There, Austin Hooper's there, but I'm not really sure what else they're going to do offensively. <laughs> I think Christian Blake is the second wide receiver. I know he's out there. I've looked at him, um, but he's just not really getting targeted whatsoever. It's an outdoor game. The Falcons aren't quite as sharp outdoors, so I don't see this as a huge game for their offense. On the other side, it just kind of is what it is at this point for the Bucks' offense. Brashad Perriman and Justin Watson, they're just not the same as Mike Evans and Chris Godwin. Even more than that, though, you really look at the Falcons' defense. I feel like it's really turned around in the second half last year they allowed 26.4 points per game before the bye this year they were allowing more than 31 points per game then coming out of the bye you heard that there was this report that Dan Quinn was giving up the play calling duties on the defense since then they're giving up only about 18 points per game and it's not like that's just an easy schedule they've played the Saints twice for example so part of it is that they got a little healthier too but for whatever reason they're playing well they're playing hard, and I could also see Julio Jones kind of taking a seat here. He's always injured. He's, you know, fighting through injury pretty much the whole year. Once he gets to his 1,400 yards, I could see him taking a seat here. So for me, you know, the Bucks over has been a good play for the majority of the season. But for me, I like the under here at uh, 48. Yeah, I think that's a great play. Actually, um, before the opening lines came out, I had this game projected at 48. Um, mm-hmm. That's where I think the over-under probably should have been. And when it opened at 50 and a half, I didn't jump in it right away because I thought you know, everybody would be attacking the over here and it might bump up to like 51, 51 and a half or something. And boy, was I wrong. It, yeah. it the market definitely corrected uh, in the right direction. So now it's, you know, 48, 47 and a half. So yeah, I, I would say the value shot now, but I do, do like the under in this game. Yeah. I saw it at 47 actually earlier and I was like, Oh no, but then it <laughs> seems to have corrected itself. So it has been about ba- a lot of these lines. That's the thing more so than any other week. I feel like the lines are completely all over the place, yep. but uh, it's fun. So what's your second pick here, Sean? So this game, I'm, I'm probably not going to take the Chargers before the game starts. I've, I've lost enough money on them this year. They've just been a tease this year. Very frustrating team. They're way better than their five and 10 record. Um, their Pythagorean theorem, uh, expected record is actually 7.6 wins and 7.4 losses. A lot of that's due to their, um, two and nine record and one game, one score games. Um, you, you can make a case that's due to poor coaching, but typically teams, um, regress to, you know, winning those games half the time. Uh, but, you know, I've always said that they don't really have much of a home field advantage um, since moving here in L.A. I actually live down the street from the stadium, so uh, I've known about this for a while, that we don't really have the most loyal fans. So it's usually mostly just, um, you know, teams rooting for the way, t- uh, fans rooting for the way team. We saw Philip Rivers have to do a silent count last week at home. So um, they're 14-7 and seven against the spread on the road. Um, since moving here. So I, I think people still overlook that quite a bit. 
Um, having said that, this isn't a game I'm going to take before the game starts because as this game plays, I'll be looking at the uh, Patriots-Dolphins game. So um, I think if the Patriots get off to a you know, fast start there and they get you know a 14-plus lead in that game, we could see um, the Chiefs pull back a little bit, potentially um, sit Patrick Mahomes. I'm not saying that's likely, but that's just a potential scenario we have to look for. Um, but also, you know, the Chargers in general typically get off to a slow start. So Philip Rivers in his first 10 pass attempts uh, this year, he's had a three to seven touchdown interception ratio with a QB rating of 77. Um, and then the rest of the game, it improves to um, 18 uh, touchdown to 11 picks ratio with a QB rating of 95.2. So he does improve um, as the game goes. Um, and this is a game where I'm expecting the end game line could move up to you know, say 10 and a half to 17 and a half. Um, and they're, they're more likely to do, you know, pull off the backdoor cover in that situation. So I'm not going to take them plus nine to start when we get, uh, more value in game. And that's, that's one where you'll, you'll want to monitor other games to see how a team like the Chiefs, um, could start to pull back as the game goes on. Yeah. The only thing they have right in there is the possibility of getting the two seed. I mean, I could, I guess they could yeah. lose as we talked about to the, they could switch to the fourth seed as well if the Texans win and they lose, right? Yeah. Yeah. I think that is a possibility. That's... But I think the Texans play later again. So yeah. they're real, and they're, that's not a big deal. I mean, you don't want to play Buffalo if you can avoid it. But regardless, it is really about getting the bye. And if the Patriots, destroy the Dolphins, as I think most people uh, expect them to do, then you could certainly see them pulling back. So I like that call as well. I don't have a great feel for it as, you know, as you mentioned at the start of the game right now, it's certainly not a game that I'm looking at. It's bounced back and forth between eight and a half and nine and a half kind of all week. Uh, but I like the in-game uh, play on that. For my second one, I don't know if you're going to like this one, Sean. So I- I'm willing <laughs> to uh, listen to what you have to say, but uh, I'm going to take the Broncos laying three and a half here to the Raiders. Now it's at three in a couple of books. So if you can get it there, I much prefer it there but even with the hook I'll still take it the Raiders they have this legitimate chance to hit on this ridiculous thing where like 10 things are going to fall their way and they somehow make the playoffs but I don't think it's going to happen and I think that if all else fails it's not going to happen because I think the Raiders are going to lose this game and they're going to lose it by more than three points the Broncos are not a bad football team they could have easily been in the mix if a few things went their way earlier Drew Locke is competent they're leaning on Philip Lindsay more Cortland Sutton's one of the more talented wide receivers in the game their defense is solid they're capable of putting up some points especially against a team like the Raiders that are 30th in weighted defensive DVOA and offensively the Raiders are just they're down some key pieces they did get Hunter Renfro back but it's still unclear if Josh Jacobs is going to play he had some minor leg procedure yesterday apparently it was just for an infection I'm not sure about his availability but he obviously has the shoulder injury Trent Brown is now on IR Richie Incognito missed last week I don't know if he's going to be back here so their line has kind of been their strength all season so without those guys it really hurts them and I, I get that it's a narrative but Derek Carr is does not play well in cold weather I think his teams are two and eleven or two and twelve when the weather is under fifty degrees. I've lost count at this point. It's a high of thirty-seven in Denver on Sunday. It's a tough place to play anyway. It's their second divisional game. The Broncos surely want to go out on a high note, especially after losing to the Raiders in week one. And even if the Raiders you know, like just, you know, from a very public perspective, the Raiders are like, well, they they might have a chance at the playoffs and the Broncos don't. So, you know, don't you want to favor that team? I think you know, more often than not, these teams come out that are out of it and they play really hard. Guys are playing for jobs. I think they want to win after they got embarrassed a little bit in that opening game. So I think they're going to play hard here. So for me, I, I, I'm interested here because I have a feeling you might not agree, but I will take the Broncos length three and a half to the Raiders. 
No, I, I like the call. Um, that's a game where I'm probably staying away from. It's it's really tough betting on a team that doesn't have anything to play for. Yeah. Um, but I, I forgot the the theory. But you know, the Raiders fall under it where you know they're a bad team. It's almost a miracle they even have a chance for a playoff um, uh, berth here. But you know, a team like that, it, there's a reason um, <laughs> they're they're <laughs> fighting for a playoff spot. So th- those teams are more likely to have a letdown game. So I think they will be a popular bet. Um, it looks like about 65 to 70% of the action has come in on them. And, you know, uh, the, the Broncos are still laying a key number like three and a half. So I think there is some sharp action on the Broncos. Um, and like you said, I, I think the Broncos are very underrated. They, if they make a couple splash landings in the offseason, they could be sort of the 2019 Browns going into next year. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, <laughs> hopefully it doesn't turn out that poorly, <laughs> but, um, I, I think they have a lot of pieces in place. Drew Locke has impressed me. Um, he's been a lot better than I thought he'd be. So this is another game where, yeah, I think that they'll try to have a statement game heading into next year. So even though they don't have much to play for, or they don't have anything to play for for the playoffs, I think this will be a game where they come out more motivated than people think. And I think, you know, when the they the, these lines are set, I think, you know, the, the people who set the lines know that the public is going to be thinking about, oh, one team has a chance to play for something, the other team doesn't. And so more of the money is going to come in on that. But like you said, the fact that the line's not moving, it's been at three and a half all week, I think says that it's probably more of a sharp play. Yeah, play. and I, th- we've seen the Raiders have a massive letdown game in a spot like this before. I mean, they played the last game ever in Oakland and right. they let the Jaguars come back and beat them. So that just goes to show you that um, they would be the type of team that would have a letdown game in this exact spot. Absolutely. And you can't take anything away from the fact that they just destroyed the Chargers because that doesn't count as we basically <laughs> right. just said. Before. Exactly. All right, let's move on to your last pick. What do you got? Okay, so th- this this game, um, it's a cluster injury situation. So the um, the Seahawks have had a brutal stretch where they lost Rashad Penny. Um, and then last week they lost Chris Carson and CJ Procise. Um, so a situation like that, I do, I, I, I factor that in quite a bit. So I think they're, they, you know, probably dock them off about a point, maybe a point and a half on the power rating. Um, now they did bring in Marshawn Lynch and Robert Turbin, which, you know, is exciting from a DFS perspective. But, um, you know, I, I think they'll fill in a bit, but I think Travis Homer will be the starting running back. But ultimately this game's going to come down on Russell Wilson's shoulders. Um, so I like getting him at home here. Um, getting plus three and a half. I, I thought the uh, Niners would probably close maybe uh, one and a half to two point favorite here, but three and a half is just way too much on the road. Um, Russell Wilson's only been a home underdog seven times in his career, and he's six and one. Um, so I just think, you know, getting him here at home in just a, a clutch game like this, um, I, I this is definitely my play of the week. So um, I, while I'm avoiding most of the games because they're involving teams with nothing to play for, um, this is the this is the one game I'm treating straight up and feel pretty good about. You know, I wonder whether or not this might be beneficial to the Seahawks to have all these injuries at running back because no matter what, they're not going to give the same number of carries. Even ho- however the backfield you know shakes out with the three running backs, they're not. I can't imagine they're going to run it as much as they were when you had Carson and Penny and and even Prosai. So. I think putting the game more in Russell Wilson's hands, even though the Niners are probably a little more exploitable on the ground, I, I think that's only a good thing for Seattle. And, you know, the game against Arizona, I just feel like they were, you know, as much as they had the injuries, I feel like they were just kind of looking past it. I feel like they were just looking at this game and as much as it affected, you know, the seeding that they'll get if they win the division, I think they were just looking at this game. So I like the call. I don't know if I if I can do it, honestly. It's <laughs> something where I, I think there is value, but I've had trouble pulling the trigger on it. And again, I agree with 
agree with you. I expected it to be closer. I think it might have been two and a half at one point, but it's basically been sitting now at three and a half. Well, they've, yeah, they've been just getting killed. I would say, so it looks like there's 75% of the tickets and 82% of the money. Um, that was just, you know, just sheer money and ticket action yeah. coming in. So they had to move it past key numbers. So right. we'll see um, going forward. If, if it stays at three and a half, that might worry me. But I think sharps are going to come in on the three and a half pretty soon. All right. I like it. For my final pick, uh, I'm going to take... This is so much more of a narrative play, but whatever. We're in week 17. Uh, I'm going to take the Ravens and Steelers. When I took it, the under, it was 38. It Now our consensus is 37. So w- whatever. I don't care. I'll take it. it. It'll be 25. I'll take it. Uh, I talked about this when we took an early look at the Lions back on Monday. There's always a worry with a defensive score or two with this matchup. Both defenses are excellent, even with some Ravens resting here on the defensive side. But outside of that, it's really tough to see this getting even to this number of 37s. The Steelers are so abysmal offensively. I mean, Duck Hodges would not be in there if Mason Rudolph were healthy. The alternative now is Paxton Lynch. Uh, James Conner mispracticed again today. I'm sure he's going to miss this game. We don't know who's going to be on the defense for the Ravens. I think the only thing we do know for sure is Brandon Williams is not going to play. That obviously hurts the run defense. But again, if it's Benny Snell leading the way, the Ravens can't possibly fear Hodges. It's not like I expect them to be able to run all over the Ravens. More importantly, we have talked about this a couple of times on this podcast before. John Harbaugh does not like to lose. He crushes in the preseason. He does not want to lose this game to the Steelers, maybe let them into the playoffs. He wants to win. So whoever is out there, he is going to play to win the game. The Steelers have an outstanding all-around defense, and we know there's no Mark Ingram. There's no Lamar Jackson. I'm sure there are going to be a couple of other offensive starters who are going to sit RG3 is probably going to run the exact same type of offense, which means there's going to be a lot on the ground. It's going to eat up the clock, probably try to avoid turnovers. It's hard to judge these games when you have a lot of backups in, but I mean, the totals for the Steelers last seven games is 29, 28, 26, 33, 40, 27, and 26. It's not all that much rocket science. I think Tomlin is going to try to keep Hodges from losing the game. He'll probably play conservative, try to win it with his defense. So even at 37, which is an abysmally low total, I'm going to still ride with it and take the under 37. I like it. Okay, I'll take it. That's all you got to say. I will take it. All right, let's recap here, Sean. Uh, you're going to take the Bengals and the Browns over 43 and a half. You're obviously waiting till the end to, to see how all this shakes out. You're going to take the Seahawks getting three and a half from the 49ers, and you're going to almost certainly be popping an in-game bet here on the Chargers uh, or the Casey game once the Pats look like they may be running away uh, with their game against the Dolphins. I'm going to take the Falcons and the Bucks under 48. The Broncos laying three and a half to the Raiders and the Ravens and the Steelers to go under the really small number of 37. Now, before we move on to our next segment, I want to tell everyone about the sponsor of today's show, BetMGM, specifically the BetMGM Sports app. With the BetMGM Sports app, you can place a bet right from your phone. Here's all you need to do. Search for the BetMGM Sports app in your app store, download it, and sign up for an account. When you sign up, you want to use our promo code Harris, that's my last name, Harris, because you're going to be handed what essentially amounts to a guaranteed bet. BetMGM does these crazy offers where they basically essentially give you free money. Like this past weekend, if you placed a $1 money line bet on the Chiefs to beat the Bears, you not only won the bet, but you also won $100 in free bets just because Patrick Mahomes completed a single pass. This weekend, You've got the college football playoffs. Maybe you like Clemson. Maybe you assume LSU is going to win its game easily. But for purposes of BetMGM, it doesn't really matter. Place a $1 money line bet on any of the teams this Saturday, any one. And if 
any one of those teams scores even a single touchdown, you win $200 in free bets. It does not have to be the team you bet on. It does not have to be in the game you bet on. Any team scores a touchdown, you get $200 in free bets. The offer is valid through kickoff of the Fiesta Bowl, too. So that's at 8 o'clock Eastern time. But you got to sign up for the BetMGM Sports app. Use our promo code Harris. These winnings are paid in free bets. You must be 21 years or older, and although you can sign up and easily deposit money anywhere, you must be in the state of New Jersey to place a sports bet, and certain restrictions apply. Visit BetMGM.com for the full list of terms and conditions. And if you've got a gambling problem, call 1-800-GAMBLER. All right, Sean, it's time for It's a Trap, where we each list one bet we are avoiding. I'm sure we have more than one, but go ahead and give me your number one that you're avoiding. So I'm avoiding um, betting on the uh, Steelers-Ravens spread. You know, th- th- at certain times this week, I really liked the Ravens, and at other times, I really liked the Steelers. Um, <laughs> you kind of mentioned it. I-, I think this is the type of game that the Steelers, you know, would be pretty good at. Um, I-, I think they would get away with the conservative game plan, um, sort of keep the ball out of Duck Hodges' hands, um, lean on the run game, lean on that strong defense, and just keep it close. And they, they should be able to pull it off against a Ravens team that's, you know, resting a lot of key players. But, um, I mean, the advanced line for this game, I, I probably would have this around, uh, man, minus 13 and a half or minus 14 if everybody was active and trying for the Ravens. Um, so a 16 point line move, it, it, as good as Lamar Jackson is and some of the key players like Martin, Mark Ingram are, I think that's a lot of points. Um, you know, I think RG3 and Gus Edwards will be fine. Um, so it's just a game where I, I've been tempted to go either way. So I've just decided, okay, that means I'm not going to bet either side. I'm just going to enjoy this game, um, whether it's betting on player props or DFS, but I am not going to even try uh, to take a side here. Yeah, I completely agree with you. I, I like the under because I don't expect, I expect both teams to just kind of relax and lean on their defense, but I have no idea. I, I do not have a feel for this game, and it's one of many this week. And uh, the one that I'm avoiding is the Cowboys laying 10.5 to the Redskins. I felt good about the Redskins earlier in the week. The the line was a couple points higher. I, I think Case Keenum at this point is at worst uh, a lateral move from Dwayne Haskins. I, probably, you know, an upgrade. But the offensive line is really beat up. Terry McLaurin is still in the concussion protocol. Last I checked, I haven't seen anything yet from today. They're completely decimated in their secondary. Their corners are Aaron Colvin, Cody Sensiball, and Kevon Webster. You saw how easily the Giants carved them up last week. So it is really hard to see them stopping the Cowboys at all. But Dak Prescott does not look right. And it's a Jason Garrett-led team. So I feel like that scene in The Princess Bride where Zini is explaining <laughs> how because of X factor, I clearly cannot choose the wine in front of you. But then he goes through another factor and says, and so I clearly can choose the wine in front of me. And that's basically how I feel. I can't choose the Cowboys wine. I can't choose the Redskins wine. I'm just going to drink beer and be happier for it. So that's the game I'm avoiding. Uh, you are avoiding the uh, Steelers laying two to the Ravens, and I'm avoiding the Cowboys laying ten and a half to the Redskins. So before we go into our final segment, I want to remind everyone about our giveaway. It's a signed Michael Thomas Saints helmet. You can go to bettingpros.com slash contest for more details, but to enter, just leave a review for the show on Apple Podcasts or Stitcher. Send a screenshot of that review to contest at bettingpros.com. If you have already entered a previous contest, you are automatically entered for this one, so no worries about that. The Thomas Helmet, all of our signed helmets. They come from Pristine Auction, where they offer a ton of great memorabilia with thousands of auctions every day. Just go to pristineauction.com. That's P-R-I-S-T-I-N-E auction.com. And when you go there, use our promo code BETTINGPROS and win a free $5 voucher instantly. All right, Sean, let's finish up with top prop. What's your best player prop for this weekend? 
Um, so, you know, we were talking about this before we went on air, but week 17 sports books definitely like to hold off player props as long as possible. It's definitely the trickiest week, um, for that market. Um, there's only one player prop out there right now. It's Travis Homer's rushing yards. And I actually do like this prop. Um, it, it opened up at 42 and a half, which I think is a pretty good line. I would set it closer to 45 and a half. I have Homer getting 11.7 carries here. Um, Pete Carroll mentioned, you know, he wants to kind of stick with the guy that's been there. Um, so they, they mentioned they would lean on Travis Homer this game. I think Marshawn Lynch, um, you know, he will get sort of the short down goal line work. Um, but Homer should get the carries between the twenties. And that's, that's where a prop like this comes into play, really. Robert Turbin, I'm assuming will just be nothing more than a change of pace back. Um, so I like Homer, um, getting over 42 and a half yards. And, you know, since we've been on air, the line has dropped to 39 and a half. Wow. Um, I think this is one of those things where people, are, they're just excited to see beast mode um, <laughs> Sunday night. So I think the Homer prop, it, it could just go down. Um, I think people will just expect Marshawn Lynch to just inherit a 20 carry roll or something. So um, it's, it's rare that I do attack overs on player props, but I think this is one, especially at 39 and a half. I have, um, I ran my simulator on it and I have him getting over that roughly 59% of the time. So there's quite a bit of value on this right now. Yeah, I like that one too. Yeah, I agree with you completely, by the way, with uh, player prop bets, which I love, uh, you know, probably more even than betting uh, generally on the spread. I, the unders are usually uh, where I like to hammer it because I almost always see more value there. Now, on this, we always talk about it. It's Thursday. There aren't that many props that are available in the market. And then that's especially true, as you said, this week. So more often than not, I we are taking overs because that's what's available over at points bet. And that is what I'm going to do here. And I'm going to take Christian McCaffrey to go over 75 yards receiving, which is at even money over at points bet. Now, if you want the free square, take over 50 yards at minus 250. Absent an injury that's going to hit. He's 67 yards receiving away from a 1,000 rushing yard, 1,000 receiving yard season. The coaching staff has already come out and basically said he is going to get it. That would only be the third time in history joining only Roger Craig and Marshall Falk. So look, it's possible that his last reception gets him to 70 yards receiving and he's pulled. That's fine. But I'd probably drop a larger wager on going over the 50 yards and uh, I'd add one on the 75 yards uh, just to, you know, go for the uh, bigger payout. But uh, for me, I, I think there's almost no chance with a team like the Panthers that has nothing to play for. There's also probably not going to be DJ Moore in this game. They want McCaffrey to get over 67 yards. So I think over 50 is a lock and over 75 is pretty close. All right, Sean, that's going to do it for today's show. Thanks for joining me. Remind everybody where they can find more of you and your work. So you can find all my content on actionnetwork.com and um, please follow me on Twitter at the underscore odds maker. Um, that's where I, you know, set lines for random things or um, give fancy advice. Um, and that's where I post all my content. So you can find all my work there as well. Yeah, as I mentioned, Sean is one of the most accurate fantasy experts uh, out there. So if you do play fantasy football, uh, you should definitely follow him as well. Thanks again for coming on, Sean. Uh, hopefully we can do it again soon. Yeah, thanks for having me. Thanks again to the sponsor of today's show, BetMGM. Remember to download the BetMGM Sports app. Use the promo code HARRIS to place a $1 money line bet on any team playing on Saturday in the college football playoffs, and you can win $200 in free bets so long as any team on Saturday, not necessarily the team you bet on, not necessarily even in the game you bet on, any team on Saturday scores a touchdown. And don't forget to leave us a review on Apple Podcasts or Stitcher. Send a screenshot of that review to contest at bettingpros.com to be entered into our Michael Thomas signed helmet giveaway. Good luck with your wagers this weekend, everybody. We will be back next week talking about the playoffs. 